Welcome to AdvisorTech Unplugged, the monthly podcast brought to you by MoneyInfo, the client portal and mobile app supplier for financial advisors and wealth managers. This podcast is designed to help address the challenges of the 21st century advisor. Each month, we invite a special guest to talk to us about current topics affecting their area of expertise in the advisor tech space. If you have any suggestions for future episodes or general feedback, get in touch with us by email at support at moneyinfo.com or tweet us at moneyinfotech. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this next episode of Advisor Tech Unplugged. Uh, my name is Tess Lee. I am Managing Director of Money Info, and today I am delighted to be joined by Ian Horn. Um, I suspect many of you listening will know who Ian is already, but for those of you that don't, he is Head of Audience Engagement for CityWire in the UK, and he spends his time speaking to financial advisors and wealth managers about what really matters to them. Uh, more recently, his work's taken a fintech angle and he hosts the Wealth Tech Show podcast and the CityWire Fintech Forums. He also writes the regular Tech Travels column and he's really excited about the opportunities for technology to overhaul the investment management and personal finance space and industry. So Ian, welcome to our podcast. It's a delight to have you here. Thank you, Tess. Glad to be involved. And that is a good overview of what I do. Um, it's a slightly unusual job and it takes about that long to explain what I do when I meet people <laughs> at parties and so on. So thank you. Hopefully I don't have to do that so much anymore. So thanks very much. Oh, you're very welcome. Well, look, you know, it's a good starting point because you decided to focus on technology in, you know, and kind of push the fintech mm. angle, didn't you? Uh, you know, coming from the um, working with wealth managers and mm. advice and in the advice market. So why did you want to make the case for focusing on fintech? What was it that that you thought was important? Yeah, it's a good question that because my role takes me to all sorts of places. I spent seven years, or well, actually to be honest, six years before the lockdown, speaking to people across the UK. And every advice company is different. Every wealth management company is quite different. Um, and I like to talk about things that everyone can relate to. So I was having different conversations with everyone that I met in different places. And that's everything from your kind of Thames side office that must cost millions if you were to buy it to a small kind of rural outpost everything's very quiet and it takes ages to get there in a taxi but I wanted to find things that everyone can relate to and technology struck me as a good starting point Uh, and the more I looked into technology and the more I started thinking about how tech is changing things for advisors and wealth managers the more obvious it kind of became that there's a huge opportunity Um, and I think it's not spoken of as much as it should be but there is a real tech revolution happening Um, So the more digging I did, the more I I spotted there was this opportunity to talk about tech. Um, And also uh, looking at the wealth side, I'm also fascinated in how we can invest in better ways. And and that's not just at the top end of the market. It's financial inclusion, too. It's helping people with financial hardship. There's so much uh, fintech can do to make everyone's lives better. Brilliant. I totally agree. Of course. Why wouldn't I? Um, And and it's interesting, isn't it, that, you you know, you must be seeing, I guess, particularly over the last, you know, 15, 18 months more so, but also over the time that you've been looking at, at, at the advice market and the use of technology, how it's kind of changing and reshaping the services that firms are offering and how they're working with their clients. What have you, you know, what have you seen over the last 18 months, you know, in your in your tech travels and, and working with these firms? Yeah, that's a good question because things have, have changed uh, quite considerably, haven't they, during the lockdown? I think the, the main thing I would say is there's been an attitude shift. Um, yeah, people can be quite tech phobic, understandably so. It's new processes. It's 
it's changing the way you do things. Um, and also people set unrealistic expectations for their technology. Um, if you implement tech, it always has to be perfect. People think if it's not perfect, they don't want it. But people don't ever look at their paper and pen processes and say, oh, what if the mail got stolen? What if I wrote the wrong word? What if you know A, B, C or D happened? I think people now are starting to embrace tech. They've used it for 12, 18 months. They found that it works. They found that they can rely on it in most cases. And, and it's interesting. Um, I think people have, have had improved business as well. I mean, yeah. I've been speaking to people post lockdown. I mean, thankfully, I can go to our events again. I can go out on the road again and meet people. I'm yet to meet someone who has told me that this was a bad time for business. Everyone I've spoken to has had a good time. Uh, and same, you know, I think some people will want things to go back to normal. Fine. Some clients will want things to go back to normal. But I think we've all learned something during this period um, that's given us some efficiency. So, I mean, let's let's look where we go from here. Um, I think everyone's going to do what works for them, right? Some people mm. will go back to the office. Some will go back to face-to-face meetings all the time. Some people will do everything digitally now as much as they can or virtually so I think the last 18 months have been crazy but hopefully we come out into an environment that allows even more independence even more nuance in what people do uh, and also a fairer a fairer kind of future for advice and wealth where people who have childcare issues or, or other care issues or you know mobility issues things like that where we can all be part of this and we can offer a more inclusive service to everyone. It's inter- your point around adoption that you made just just a short while ago is quite interesting because you sort of suggested and, and rightly so that firms, I guess they've been maybe burnt by technology in the past and they want yeah. it to be perfect. And particularly with client facing technology, they're putting it in front of their clients and bringing the client to the process. That has been a barrier to adoption and to, you know, advice firms kind of jumping off the cliff and going for it a bit. So it's interesting that you're seeing that maybe firms are a little bit more forgiving now because they've kind of been forced into having to rely on technology more. And that that has meant they have realized that actually, you know, no technology solution is going to be perfect, but it doesn't really matter as long as you position it well with your teams and with your clients and it's well supported. They can be a little bit more forgiving and perhaps a little bit braver in terms of the technologies that they're putting out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people's attitude with tech has been a bit a bit wrong in that people will look at it or review it every couple of years and then they'll go back to it a few years later, you know, rather than viewing it as an ongoing thing. Now, if a person at your firm made a mistake, you might try and train them, you might try and coach them. Yeah, you know, you'll do things that will improve it. Technology works the same way, but I think people don't look at it like that. People don't realise that things, as, as we were saying, they're not always going to be perfect. No. But it's an ongoing process. And if you pay the right attention to it, then I think your business will be so much better for it. Yeah, you've got to buy into it, haven't you? And invest into it and, you know, get it, get as involved as you can because as tech providers, we do listen to our clients as well. And that's how we evolve our software over time is by getting that, getting that adoption up and getting that usage and that feedback, which is really important. Mm-hmm. Have you seen, so you've seen, you've definitely, you would say you've seen advisor attitudes to technology changing in the last 18 months, certainly. I think so. I mean, that won't be true for everyone, but I think the market has realized now that, that you can do things a different way. I, I mean, from my perspective, from a media perspective, I, I wrote an article about three or four years ago uh, about an advisor who was using Skype and yep. how that was interesting and how he was using it to engage with his clients. Now, you know, attitudes must have changed. If I wrote that article tomorrow, it wouldn't make any sense. Everyone's yeah. doing it. So I think that's part of it. But there, there are other things. I think people have had to look at 
um, how, how they run a business. I mean, you could now have a company that hires people in Newcastle and Portsmouth and North Wales and wherever else, and it could work. Uh, I think people have realized that the, that the barriers that we thought were there for certain things, for scaling, for speaking to different clients, aren't necessarily there. So I think these kind of things have opened people's eyes to the possibilities that exist. And, that, and that's just step one. I think when people become more kind of comfortable with technology, and they will, then we'll just see where this goes. I think it can only kind of grow from here. I think you're right. And that geographical element's interesting as well, isn't it? Not, not just from our hiring people in a business perspective, but from a client's perspective as well. And, and for me, there's a, you know, there's a real angle there in terms of you know, advisors bringing on the next generation of their clients and this whole mm-hmm. issue around intergenerational wealth transfer. You know, previously, you know, uh, older children up at university in Edinburgh weren't necessarily going to have any relationship with dad's financial advisor down in Surrey, you know, whereas now they've got an opportunity with technology to build that relationship, to use the technology to get the brand out there. And and there's a real opportunity for that, I would say, in terms of, you know, the geographical Mm. barriers have gone, haven't they? Oh, definitely. And and I think the way people like to be, you know, communicated with varies, doesn't it? I mean, you look at the classic millennial stereotype, and and I'll be honest, I kind of live up to this stereotype myself. People would rather be texted than called. It almost seems like an ambush if someone calls you. And I know that might seem mad to people who are far more familiar with, with phone calls. But, you know, you get to Gen Z as well. These people, you know, they're not going to be called all the time in the same way that older generations would have done. But <clears throat> the intergenerational aspect is quite interesting because uh, I had a conversation with this a while back. And when you think about it, the next generation of wealth is probably people in their late 40s and early 50s. I mean, with demographics and and lifespans getting bigger, that's probably the generation that inherits wealth next. Mm. Um, Obviously, there are younger people to consider too, and technology will only become part of that. I I think one thing to kind of dismiss is the idea that old people are are bad at using tech, though. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I don't think it is the case. Um, Different attitudes, maybe, but but it's not, it's not that old people can't use tech. That's, that's kind of a nonsense. But I think hybrid advice is obviously the real winner from all this. Uh, people now know that advice can be done in different ways. It doesn't have to all be face-to-face. It doesn't have to all be, you know, old-fashioned. You can have ongoing communications with client portals, with, you know, with apps, with all sorts of ways of tracking what's going on. Um, and, and that will be more and more important, I think. I think, again, there's no, there's no way of, of saying that younger people aren't interested in finance right now um, because you look at meme stocks you look at cryptocurrency mm. the money getting pumped into those it's huge uh, we just need to think more carefully about how we engage with people and i think that those who do nail that uh, and and do automate things and, and and bring in the efficiencies that make it possible to look after people with less money um, there's a big opportunity there yeah and i agree with you i mean totally i've said this out out loud many times myself around around the older generation and technology they do mm. use technology and of course be, because we deal with financial advice firms and, and wealth managers their typical demographic of client is 50 plus 60 plus you know clients into their 70s and 80s um, and they they're using the technology so we know that's kind of a, a myth now really and more so mm. probably over you know grandparents getting on you know whatsapp video messaging with their kids and grandkids yeah. and that kind of stuff so that's all 
all changed as well not just over the last 18 months for me it was happening before that but I think the the barriers to technology was more the 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 advisors perhaps than than their clients and I think it's good that they've now started to gain that confidence because they had a kind of nudge into it definitely um -hmm. and it's it's going to really start changing things and and I think as well like what goes on in the background to all of this I mean the, the world doesn't stand still we don't operate on our own here um, you know, we go back a few years, we've got the, the change from dial-up, which I grew up with, to 5G, you know, searching for things on Google rather than Ask Jeeves or whatever the hell I was used to use. It probably yeah. was absolutely useless. Um, you know, all sorts of things, getting responses in three to five working days. I mean, it's all out the window now. A lot of that will just happen anyway. Yeah. Um, but there are things we can do to make sure that advice and wealth firms are fit for purpose i think that's the key thing be aware of what's changing around you because your clients will be prospective clients who aren't used to your service will be and and of course people by people all those conversations are useful but there's a world going on out there and if you're switched on to it there's such an opportunity to be part of that movement and are you seeing anything like really new or innovative coming out because obviously we have you know traditionally when we look back you know advice firm technology it was very much about the back office and and the kind of mm-hmm. administration and the income reconciliation and the compliance processes you know client facing technology has come to the fore more and more mm-hmm. now and and it's kind of where it's all at are you seeing anything a bit left of field out there have you come across any things technologies that advice firms perhaps haven't even thought about but actually you thought you know what well, that's pretty neat um it you know it fills a gap and it and it helps the firms in what they need to be doing yeah there are some interesting things that i've seen out there i i think the as you say the kind of back office or the kind of cms space it is is quite a an interesting one in that if someone can properly nail that mm. then i can see them doing very very well and i, I think the, the way to look at it is look at it how it is for the advisor. How can we make everything easy? How can we make things work with as few clicks, as few data entries as possible? The same way that challenger banks have made it possible to open a bank account with like seven clicks or something mm. like that. A back office that can do all that for you would be, yeah, make you able to do things easily with no messing around would be perfect. I, I'm intrigued by what David Stamps built at Centology. I know he's done some, he, he's very keen on automating everything in the back office and making sure that every single system speaks to each other. Uh, and similarly, what Bravura are trying to do, I find fascinating with um, their whole concept of microservices. So the idea, mm-hmm. of course, is that everything can integrate with a core system. But from that, you then build things in like it's an app store. You could then you know, have a different app depending on which firm you are, what you do, who your clients are, and kind of end up bespoking something using the same core technology. I think all that matters really is that it's easy to use for clients and for advisors. So that stuff's interesting. But in terms of innovation, I find a lot of the interesting stuff <laughs> happens at a very non-fundamental level. I personally love all the esoteric stuff that maybe makes your life 0.1% better, but is quite fun. Yeah. Um, so there's some, some good stuff I've I've seen. So ones I would point out would include uh, 1FS Wealth. I mean, that's a, a platform that lets you track all of your kind of family office type holdings. You could see where your private yacht is. You could look at your wine cellar. You Brilliant. Could, you know, and, and it tracks all the valuations of it in real time. I think that's really fun. And then beyond that, that could really, you know, you could apply that technology at a, a lower level as well. So yeah. you could see what your Ford Mondeo was worth rather than a supercar. Great. I mean, that's that's quite cool. Um, there's other things like the Doconomy in Sweden uh, who've created a, uh, a card which tracks your carbon spending. So if, you're, if you've got clients who are really passionate about not, you know, not, not having a massive carbon footprint, they could use that. I can't see that getting mass adoption here. It seems like more of a Sweden thing, but... 
it's a cool product. I mean, there's, you know, there's so many more I could list. There's another one, resident tax that sees where you're traveling. Uh, You know, you can see what your tax liability should be based on where you were in the world at any given moment. And it it uses the location data on your phone. It's quite straightforward. Um, But then there are fundamental things as well, like, um, you know, cybersecurity and e-signatures. Uh, yeah. Video video sign are very interesting in that respect. Um, in that you know it, it's a Zoom call, which also has things built into it to make sure that a document can be signed and witnessed. Little things like that. That's so, smart, isn't it? You're effective, and those those are the technologies that are, that are effectively taking a manual and paper based process and just putting it onto onto the technology, like like the iPad yeah. did with how you interact with things on a table, you know, yeah. you, you swipe things or move things, that that concept was taken onto a tablet, and now that's mm-hmm. just the norm for everybody. It's those technologies that are really clever, isn't it? Because they're taking a simple manual mm-hmm. process and just making it digital without overcomplicating it, and and, and therefore it's kind of familiar to us straight away, isn't it? It's, it's intuitive straight away. It's so true, and it's funny because looking at tech, I, I don't have a tech background. I'm, I'm a well a journalist, I guess, originally by by trade, but so much of, of what's going on is quite understandable because it's just taking simple problems. Yeah. And sometimes what you see is a snazzy front end, but what's going on behind it is sometimes just a good idea and some some basic coding. And sometimes it's just a case of taking things that are, you know, normal to us, but automating them, making them easier, taking the stress out. And 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 Tess, you're you're probably the same with Money Info. A lot of the things you've innovated aren't aren't necessarily genius ideas, but they're things that once you implement them, they make a huge difference to people. Exactly, lives. exactly. And 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 I'm a great believer in keeping things simple, and you know, doing one thing and doing it well, and keeping it keeping it simple. And and hopefully that's what what we do to make the software work for for advice firms and for their clients mm. as well. You you mentioned the CRM and back office market being quite interesting right now. Do you think we're going to see? Um, great change in that market you there are obviously some new players coming in you know where do you see that heading because for me crm has, has kind of shifted as not just from a technology perspective but how firms work with their clients now for me crm is much more collaborative than it ever has been the client is much more engaged in the in the process which is why client facing technology is, is so important but what are you seeing in that in that space at the moment um well i'll be honest it's I'm, I'm quite a generalist of a lot of this stuff. So I've not done a huge amount on, on CRMs um, relative to other parts of the market. But what I would say is the kind of com- concerns that you hear is that things are built on old technology. You always hear yeah. that a lot of these systems aren't really fit for purpose and need to be completely overhauled. So mm-hmm. I would look for innovators in that space and look for people who might not be household names. Um, I know that's a bit of a trust exercise, but at the same time, it seems to me that a number of incumbents have been operating with technology that's not really right for the times. Mm. I think really we'll see an improvement in what CRMs can do um, and what they can integrate. Similar to what I, what I was mentioning with Bravura's kind of micro services idea, you'll see more CRMs that are capable of doing so much more. So you'll get personalization at scale. Yeah. And I think that's what a CRM should be looking to do. And if it can't deliver that, then or, or isn't built to deliver that at some point, that's probably not going to be a long-term solution. And I think as a technology community, we're getting better at integrating, aren't we, than we ever were. You know, everybody's got APIs now and, you know, it, it mm-hmm. is, you know, it's not easy to integrate. You know, let's not make out that this mm-hmm. is a panacea and it's all wonderful. But certainly I think tech providers are more open to integrate mm-hmm. with each other because I think hopefully everybody realizes that no technology provider can do everything well. 
you know they yeah. just can't you can't be brilliant at everything um so you know stick to your knitting and, and allow firms to pick and choose from the technologies that would work for their business and and that's flexible isn't it over time that changes like you say it's not you know it's not like a five-year cycle anymore and then you kind of you're stuck with a back office and you're there for the, the next five ten years you you want to be able mm. to introduce new services at the relevant times for your proposition don't you oh definitely and i think part of it is the thing to crack is building an ecosystem in which product providers can all exist within and 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 kind of still have the same kind of healthy competition that they do have and still have all the integration that, you know that, that they can achieve yeah it's, as you say they're very difficult and there's i i can imagine like i can't speak for this this is probably something you could there's probably some competition among providers right and there's probably a lot of well a distrust might be too strong a word but a hesitancy to collaborate I think I think there still is definitely mm. I think it's got a lot better and I think we all realize we've got to you know we've got to open the doors and let people you know work with different technologies I mean for us it's it's maybe slightly different because we're a we're an aggregator of data we're an aggregator of technologies we can connect lots of different things into the portal because we're the you know we're the client facing client facing technology so we have to you know integrate with other technologies to make sure we can deliver that full full service for the firm and the client but i think it's changed i think it's getting better but it's not you know there is always a little bit of reticence because for a lot of us we do cross over with each other's technology you know there'll be a little bit of you know we'll be we'll be um partners in certain things but also will be competing in other things and i think that's you know that's always going to be a challenge but for me competition is a good thing you know people have yeah. choice um and i think you know you've just got to try and be the best at what you do and then then you'll succeed so yeah it's an interesting space right now in terms of integration and you know we've seen you know the orego hub and things like that starting to you know mm. to, to to make strides in that space too so yeah interesting but not perfect yet no matter what, no. When, when we all talk about how wonderful apis are and all that the reality is they're not quite you know it's not quite yeah. perfect but well, yeah it will always be a work in progress won't it i think that's but that's the thing it's like we said at the very start yeah absolutely it's always evolving isn't it and so i guess what are you seeing where do you think we're going to kind of end up now what are we where are we likely to see the big growth areas in in fintech do you think over the the coming years and months now what what's the kind of what's the next big thing as far as as far as you're concerned the next big thing it I think, well, let's look at what's changed already because we've already gone through quite a lot. I think communications technology is the norm now. I mean, yeah. you can't not have this stuff. You've got to be able to communicate with your clients and they've got to be able to uh, see what's going on with their own money as well on their own personal plan. Uh, I think that needs to be all secure. It needs to be done properly. It needs to be taken seriously. Um, integrations should be, you know, as we just said, I mean, once that whole thing improves, there'll be so much more that we can do, so much more scalable uh, solutions for clients. And then mm. again, I mean, I, I, I had an interesting conversation actually on, on my own podcast with, a, with Roger Cameras, who helped build the ARPANET and, uh, you know, which obviously was the, the, the very origins of the, of the internet. And he, mm -hmm. he made a very good point to me, which is that the, the future as he sees it is, is hyper-personalization. It is a personal service delivered at scale. And not just that, but I think we can see this huge movement in the advice gap. There are millions and millions of people in the UK alone who don't have any kind of advice. Technology, yes, or as the advisor sees it now, it might not be obvious, but there are ways in which advice can become so much more affordable, so much more scalable um, and accessible to so many people. And I think that in itself provides an opportunity. Um, key example of that, again, is, is, you know, I mentioned Scentology earlier. Their, you know, their MD, David, has 2,000 clients. 
uh, you know, 1,700 of those, I believe, are full advice clients. That, that mm. for me, is fascinating. I don't think every advisor needs to take that route. Everyone needs to do what works for them. But at the same time, if that can be done and it can be done properly, that really does change the way we look at things. Yeah, uh, I've spoken to advice companies across the UK, some who don't take on a client with less than half a million under management. Um, but that leaves an opportunity. So I think there's going to be big movements in that part of the market, provided it's the, we it's, can, yeah. It's the next nut to crack, isn't it? And and again, there seems mm. a lot of reticence around that. I think, you know, for me, I, a lot of advice firms, I, I don't know whether they feel that they want to close the advice gap or whether it's their responsibility almost. You know, you hear mm. that out there or they don't need more clients or uh, th- there's a lot of reticence around that. So it'd be interesting to see how, the ongoing adoption of technology we're seeing is is kind of going to maybe give a light bulb moment on that and make us realize actually that you know you can do advice at scale um, and that's what te- technology computers are really good at doing repetitive tasks that you know mm. time and time again and getting them right aren't they and taking that heavy lifting which is what for me that kind of hybrid advice model is all about you know yeah. um, so I mean, for sure and, and as well these these changes are going are to happen I'm pretty sure of it and in the same way that, you know, I've been to enough conferences with motivational speakers, you probably have as well, Tess, but there's always people that talk about, you know, how Kodak invented the digital camera, but ended up doing pretty badly out of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know, advisors do need to get on board with what, what, what's changing now. Um, they do need to make sure they're not left behind. And that advice gap, don't worry so much about putting yourself out of business by finding ways to make your service more efficient. That's mm. in a way you could end up missing out completely. And, and even if you're not trying to solve the advice gap, you've got to think about where your next clients are coming from when you've got an aging client demographic, haven't you? Because that's not yeah. sustainable for, for your business value. Even if you're you know, not looking to be in it for the long term, you want to build mm. a business that has brand and value that you can, you know, you can realize the value of when you're ready to go. So I think, you know, regardless, people have got to start considering what that succession planning looks like and what that next generation of clients coming through looks like, because yeah. we all, you know, we all need new business over time, don't we? You can't. Yeah, just... that's the thing. I see that growing because I see it becoming more profitable. Mm. That, that's the thing. Obviously, there are regulatory concerns and things like that. That, that obviously costs money. But if things are done in a certain way and they're made more compliant I can see I can see that working out quite well yeah and are you seeing I'm just conscious of time but just one I guess another question that's interesting for me is um new blood coming into the industry you know I think technology has a huge part to play in that because we are starting to see younger advisors come into Mm -hmm. the industry and more people taking it up as a career which I think is brilliant are you seeing evidence of that out there um, do you know what? I've not looked at the stats for that one anytime recently, but I do. There are obviously encouraging things like you've got the next gen planners group yep. who are doing lots of great work. Um, and do you know what? I, I think it's just a case of getting the message across, like it has been for a while, that advice is a really good career. And I think, in particular, now there is an opportunity for younger people to make a real impact at companies. Mm. You know, and and also, you know, companies need to value these younger people too because. If we're able to open up the market to more people, you will have more young clients. And also the technology side. I mean, <laughs> to, be, to be unfair to my parents, I had to help them buy an e-ticket on their phone the other day. <laughs> and that took horribly long. Um, and that's the funny thing. Uh, you get younger people coming to a firm. I think that probably helps with tech adoption. Yeah. It, probably, it probably helps to innovate and come up with some new ideas. Um, and I think people should be open-minded to that and bring it, you know, try to utilize that. And also in terms of careers in advice, I see a real gap for, for tech focused 
advise people. I, I wrote a piece last year where I mentioned that I thought everyone should consider getting a CTO, a chief technology officer, if they can. I, st I still very much believe that. And I think if you've got the resources, that could be a really useful hire. Or at the very least, if you've got a younger hire who's got a spare, bit of spare time on their hand, get them to research the, the tech market. I don't that's think you can lose out doing yeah. that. Yeah. So you, you need a champion in the business, don't you, that's going to help, help sure. drive the technology. I agree with that. And I think, yeah, you, you, you've got to have that. You've got to have buy-in and you've got to go for it, haven't you now? You can't be left behind. Um, and I think, mm. you know, it's good that we're seeing that seeing that continue to change. It's really exciting times for, for all of us, I think, right now. Mm. Brilliant. Well, look, we are about at the end of our, our slot. So um, it's been brilliant to, to chat to you today. Really interesting to hear what you're seeing out there and in the firms that you're working with and, and talking to and, and how technology is reshaping the, the services that, um, that advisors are providing to their clients as well and helping them become more profitable and, um, you know, really innovating in, in digital with their clients. So thank you very much for joining me today, Ian. It was really hey, good you, to see you. And hopefully Likewise. we might be able to do something face-to-face -face in person next time, which would be good. <laughs> Who knows? So look, oh, thanks ever so much. And we'll speak to you again soon. The Advisor Tech Unplugged podcast was brought to you by the team at MoneyInfo. For more information, please visit www.moneyinfo.com. Book a discovery call with us to learn how we can help you to deliver a better client experience with your own branded client portal and apps from Apple and Android.